my favorite passages of Scripture. It shows us what we are in Christ and how we're enabled by His grace to obey Him. We should not be so concerned about being legalistic these days, by being obedient. We should not be afraid to be obedient. Our fear should be that we do not love Jesus enough. Because Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And here's a passage that tells us how that can be, how that can happen. This is God's word in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. Let us hear him. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, you so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father through him. May God be pleased to bless this reading and hearing of his word to our hearts and, and to our lives. And may he change our lives by his word. That's his intention, isn't it? And we all see how far short of this that we come, but if the desire of our hearts 
is to live in his word, then we will do what this word says. There are 18 imperatives in this passage of scripture. I'm not going to try to deal with all of them. Aren't you thankful for that? Uh, but we're going to look at uh, some of it. And if you have, if your heart has been changed by God's grace, these are the things that you will want to do. This will be your life. If you've ever driven over on Pops Ferry Road, and I'm sure all of you have, just east of uh, Cedar Lake Road is a building called the Innovation Center. And it's in great big letters and in small letters to the right of the name of the place are the words uh, out of the box into the world. And I don't know precisely what they mean by that phrase, but I suspect it is an invitation to get out of one's present circumstances, which seem to confine the person and he's looking for something else to do in life and to get into a whole new world of possibilities. So I thought, isn't that what God calls us to do? To lay aside the old life and its confinements and to get out of the the fleshly way of life and to experience a new life in the spirit. Now what they do over at the Innovation Center is just on a uh, uh, horizontal level moving from one human experience to another But God brings us into another dimension. It is a dimension of the Spirit. It is a dimension that moves from self-sufficiency into the realm of the Spirit and freedom in the Spirit and then to have that Spirit flowing out of our lives, out of the box and into the, the world where He sends us to go and to have this overflowing into the world. If that's what motivates you day by day, then you have reason to praise God. So here's what I, I hope to, 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 to do today. I hope we can see. Our life is to be a demonstration of who we are in Christ. Let me repeat that. Our life is to be a demonstration of who we are in Christ. If we are in Christ, If we have the Son and have life, our lives are going to demonstrate that reality. And I hope that that is something that rings true in your heart and you see what this word is saying uh, here. And I want to show two things from this passage of Scripture. I want to show our identity in Christ and then our response to Christ because of that identity and then to make a couple of of applications uh, from that. What is our identity in Christ? If then you have been raised with Christ, you are united to him. This is your identity today. It's something that we need to affirm over and over again. I am united to Jesus Christ. I belong to him. He belongs to me. I'm united in his life. I have a perfect life. I can't stand before God without this perfect life. I have his righteousness. I'm united to him in his death. That is a death that he died for my sins. And I'm united to it. I died. He died. I died. He was made alive. And therefore, I've been made alive. And I ascend to heaven because he ascended to heaven. I sit in heavenly places right now. 
Do you realize that in Hebrews chapter 12, it speaks about when we come to worship, we don't come to Mount Sinai, we come to Mount Zion. We come to a festal gathering. Did you get that in the call to worship? Have you seen the festal gathering? Do you hear the festal gathering in heaven right now? And you join them. The day that my mother died at 102, uh, three, almost four years ago, I came to church. It was on our earliest Sunday morning that she died. I came to church and I said to our pastor, I'm going to worship with my mother today. She'd not been able to get out for several months. And so I said, I'm going to worship with my mother today. And the preacher said, oh, she's gone to glory. Yes, but just think about it. Right now, we worship with them, with that festal gathering, to innumerable company, and, to the, and with the uh, saints who have been perfected. We are worshiping with them even now because of our identity in Christ, because we are one with him. So, you've been raised with Christ. That's what this text tells us. Uh, Paul has been building up to this in, this, in, this, in Colossians. And if you look back at Colossians chapter 1 and verses 21 and, and 22, it says, And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in the body of his flesh. You've been reconciled by Christ's death. You were an enemy of God as you were born into this world. Yes, you were. You were an enemy of God. You were at enmity with God, whether you actively were engaged in, in what you thought was fighting against God, but be, by your birth, because you were dead in trespasses and sins, you were an enemy of God, and you were reconciled in his death. Did you catch that in, in, in one of the hymns? We've been reconciled, or the confession. We've been reconciled to God first. God reconciled himself to us first. If he hadn't been reconciled to us, we couldn't be reconciled to him. But he had to reconcile himself to us because he's angry at us. His wrath was against us. But we're no longer children of wrath. We're now children of his Grace, And so Paul mentions that in chapter 1. In chapter 2, in verses 6 and, and 7, he says, Therefore, because you have received Jesus the Lord, and every one of us here who has professed faith in Christ say, I have received Christ as my Lord and Savior. I have embraced him as my Lord and Savior. What does that mean to you? Did that, does that mean that you are going to live for him? That you are made alive in him? And you have embraced him and you want to be like him? How many of you are saying, oh, I can't be like him? Why can't you? He who has Christ has life. He who has the Son is able by the Spirit of God to live like the Son. That's what we're called to do. And if you don't want to live like Jesus, you don't want to be a Christian. You don't want to go to heaven. Hmm. But we do want to go to heaven. And we've got to embrace him. He says, you have received Christ, therefore walk in him. May your life be a demonstration of who he is. Christ came and revealed the kingdom of God to us. He's the king. As we see here in this passage in Colossians, that he's the king because he's seated at the right hand of God. And so what are we called upon to do here? What's our response to him. If, if it's a fact 
that we have been born again, that we have been made anew in Christ in our union with him, what is our response to him? Our response to him is to seek the things which are above. And that word seek is a a deliberate looking and looking and looking until we find. Seeking after the things that are above. We get so involved in this horizontal level, we forget that we have an upward look that should help us day by day to live for Him. And so he says, seek those things which are above. Seek for where Christ is because He's seated at the right hand of God. A man asked me one time, said, well, if I'm to set my uh, mind there, if I'm to seek the things that are above, what, what am I supposed to see? I said, well, what do you see? Do you see Christ seated? What does that mean to you, that he's seated at the right hand of God? I don't know. Well, it means he's king, but before he could be seated and before he could be the king, he had to do something. He came to this earth, and he lived a perfect life, and he went to the cross. At the end of that perfect life, because he had to have a perfect life, right, in order to be a sacrifice for, the, for others, for us, to take our sins upon himself, he had to live a perfect life. And that's what all those sacrifices in the Old Testament are all about. They had to be perfect sacrifices in order for those lambs to be a substitute for the sinner who come and confessed his sins upon those sacrifices. Jesus had to be perfect. And say, I said, do you see that? When you see him as the one who has died for your sins, and then when he died and he was buried, then he rose again from the dead. He came to life again. Isn't that a great miracle? I said, and then he ascended to heaven. And that's why you can look and see him seated at the right hand of the Father. And what's he doing right now? I don't know. Well, he's interceding for you. And we take that sometimes just to mean he's praying for us. That's very little a part of what that word interceding means. It means that, the, that Jesus is presenting himself before the Father moment by moment in your place, on your behalf. That's what interceding is doing. He came to this earth. And he ascended to heaven in order that he could intercede for you moment by moment so that you would be accepted before the Father in what Jesus is doing. And if you're united to him, that's what you are seeking to understand. You're seeking these things which are above where Christ is seated at the right hand uh, of the Father. So where the Spirit of Christ is, there is to be the fruit of the Spirit. And if you're looking at Christ, say, okay, Father, I want Jesus to send his spirit into my heart and life. And where the spirit of Christ dwells, there will be the fruit of the spirit. There must be a demonstration of his presence. And this can't happen unless you belong to Christ. You can, you can pretend all your, your life. You can try hard as you may to bear the fruit of the spirit to live out somehow love and joy and peace. It will not be love and joy and peace if Christ is not in you. How do I know that? Well, you remember that story of uh, uh, Lazarus and, and the rich man, you know, where the rich man is in hell and, and, and he cries out, uh, uh, oh Lord, send somebody to cool my, my tongue. And, and uh, Lazarus, who 
all his life had had uh, been downplayed. He was a, a, in the slums, you know. But now he's at the right hand uh, of the Father. And we need to look and see, how did he get there? He got there by God's grace. And that's how you and I get there. But one of these days, if we're going to stand before the Father, we're going to be standing in, in the judgment, and we will stand there. Uh, he will not be our judge. He's our Savior. But there are going to be a lot of people who think they do a lot of good things in Jesus' name. Remember that? They say, come up to the judgment and say, Lord, didn't I do many good things in your name, and therefore because I did many good things, don't I deserve to come into your presence? Don't I deserve to be in this kingdom in heaven? Is that you? You're going to say, Lord, I did a lot of good things in your name. And he'll say to you, if that's you, and he will say to many, I didn't know you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. What does that mean? I never knew you. It means I never had an intimate relationship with you, and therefore you did not have an intimate relationship with me. You did not truly embrace me, though you may have believed in me. But you believe for your own sake. You believe that you could come and do a lot of good things and be able to come into the judgment and God would accept you on the basis of what you did and not Christ doing something in you. Because all those good things that people do, like preaching the gospel, healing the sick, driving out demons, those are good things. But he says that if you did them yourself, you'll prove that I never knew you. It wasn't me in you. That's why they're workers of iniquity. If you're depending on your goodness to get yourself to heaven, to keep yourself on the road to heaven, you will hear those words, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. But if you see how your response to Christ is here, that you are seeking the things which are above because that's what your heart wants. You have a heart that has been renewed by God's grace. And you want Christ. You want Him above all things. And you want to live for Him. And so it says, seek the things which are above. Set your mind on heavenly things and not on earthly things. And that could only be when you see that your old way of life is dead. That you're ready and you're willing to put off all these things in verses 5 and, and following. To put off these things. To put to death that which is earthly in you. We live in a time where there are so many sexual problems. Even ministers who are involved in pornography. Uh, and we've seen that uh, broadcast in so many things just in this last uh, few months. But impurity, passion, evil desire, put them to death. Because they are the things that you have, are, have died to. You've died to the old way of life because you died with Christ. In your union with Him, you died with Christ. Therefore, the old way of life, is you're able to put it aside. Because the wrath of God is coming. And you need to take that to heart. 
you walked in these things, and if you're walking in them now, you need to say, Lord, I affirm my unity with you. I am alive in Christ. I am dead to these things. I must put them off. Think about that. Think about what you are to do because it says that your life is hid with Christ. You are absorbed in Him. The world cannot see how you are uh, hidden in Christ, but God does. And He delights in you. He exalts over you, uh, Scripture says. He, he rejoices over you with singing. And we thank God uh, for that. Because something has happened to you. Something has happened to me that we could not accomplish. We could not do. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And that's part of our identity, isn't it? That we have been made anew. But the good works that flow out of that newness of life are God's works. We're created in Christ Jesus unto good works. That is, that will bring honor and glory to Him, not to us. Not to us. So may God help us to see who we are and how we are to respond uh, to Him in this passage of Scripture, that our minds are to be set on things above, not on things on the earth, for we need to affirm what verse 3 says. For you died. Your old way of life is dead. Don't let it raise its head. Don't let it control you. Paul talks about what it is to walk in the flesh is death. But to walk in the Spirit is life. And if you're alive from the dead, that's what you'll do. If you're not alive from the dead, you can't do it. You can't even understand it. Yeah, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2 that the natural man does not understand the things of God, neither can he. If you do understand the things of God, if you understand what this Word is saying, then you rejoice in that understanding. You praise God that He has given you this understanding. You're no longer a natural person. You are a spiritual being made alive by God's grace. How did that happen? Well, it happened by hearing God's Word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the, by the Word of God. And, and you know, like, a, like a newborn baby who cries... You respond and say, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Help me to deal with my unbelief. Help me to grow in grace. This is the only way that you can grow in grace is by responding to these imperatives that are set forth here in these words. And if it's your desire to set your affection or set your mind on things above and not on things of the earth, because you've died in Christ, because you've been made alive in Christ, if that's your desire, then you're going to praise Him for it. And other people are going to see there's something different about you. Is there something different about you? You can look at people and look at their lives, and you can tell if they're living for Jesus if Jesus is the one that they love, or if they still love themselves and they love the world and the things of the world. We've been made alive. Our desires are new. Are your desires new? 
as I said at the beginning, you know, one of the problems that we have, we don't want to be legalistic, we don't want to just obey for the sake of obedience, but we feel like we must obey. We should not fear that. We should fear that we don't love Jesus enough. When I first came to Biloxi in 1981, uh, my boss uh, was Jim O'Keefe, and he had come to know Jesus. And every morning I would walk in and he'd say, Norman, do you still love Jesus? You know, at first it kind of made me shake my head. And then I realized, yeah, sure, I still love Jesus as much today as I did yesterday or even more. And that's what ought to be happening to us. We need to be loving Jesus more and more and more. A couple of applications uh, from this. Fran and I were talking uh, last night uh, about this, that we need to make sure that our faith is real. That our faith is rooted in Christ, that Christ is in us, and it's His faith that we have. It's not just some human faith in faith. It's faith in what Christ did. What faith, faith in what Christ accomplished on our behalf. And you have to say, yes, Lord, you did that on my behalf. Paul says, examine yourself to see whether you're in the faith or not. Is there enough evidence to convict you that you are a true believer in Christ? Are you able to see in your examination of yourself that God has worked in your heart and your life? You know, I got an email, uh, no, a text message. I never can remember the difference between a text message and an email sometime. A text message from a friend in, in Hattiesburg just this morning. And she said, I miss you. I miss our times of prayer together and I responded. I said, thank you. Yeah, I love you. and I miss the times that we've spent together. And I said, now I'm preaching on Colossians 3 today. I want you to read that before you go to church. She said, I will. And then I said, I, I pray that God would use me today. And she texts me back. And she said, Norman, God has used you many times in my life. What an encouragement that that is to come from somebody and she had I mean she had she'd been an adulteress and many times over and and to see how God had had dealt with her kind of like the the woman uh, who came to Jesus and anointed his feet and and dried his feet with her her hair and, and the Pharisee was horrified at what Jesus had allowed to do uh, and said if this man were a prophet he would know who this woman is Oh, he knew who she was. And he loved her coming to him and coming ex to experience the forgiveness of sins uh, in him. Uh, we were watching the video about the prodigal uh, son uh, and the prodigal and, and the elder brother this morning in, in Sunday school and, and the prodigal son, the one who'd wasted everything that the father had given to him and the elder brother who thought that God, that uh, the, the Father ought to accept him because he'd done everything that he asked him to do. And, and Tim Carroll pointed out both were lost. 
both were lost. That both needed to come home. Both needed to come to Jesus. And that's what we need, isn't it? Even if we think that we're good, our goodness is like filthy rags. If we know that we're full of sin, some, you know, I, I look at myself, I see myself in both of them. Thinking that I'm good, knowing that I'm bad, I still need to come home. I still need to come to Jesus every day. Don't you? Make sure that your faith is real, that you have come to Christ, that you have embraced Him as your Lord and your Savior. And if you are united to Christ, second application, you have been set apart to live holy lives. In Christ you are holy, meaning that you are a saint. That you have been set apart to be His. But because you've been set apart to be His, you are to live holy and moral and godly lives. And you're only able to do that because of your union with Him. You're called to be like Him, godly. So get out of your box of self-sufficiency, of self-righteousness. Read Job and find out why he needed to repent of his righteousness. Come to the last chapter where Job says, I had heard of you with my ears. I knew who you were, but now I see who you are. And I repent in dust and ashes. Read that this afternoon. And as you come out of your box of self-sufficiency and you begin to live in the realm of the Spirit, people will see what the kingdom of God is all about. If your heart is right with God and you have embraced Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, your life will be a demonstration of who you are in Christ. And that will be 24 hours a day, seven days a week because of what we're going to sing. Take time to be holy. Speak often with the Lord. Abide in Him. Sometimes? No. Always. Is that your life? Is that what you desire? If it's not, Come to Tim or myself after the service and say, look, I need to get right with God. I need to know that I belong to Him and that Christ lives in me. And I live in union with Him every day. And I praise Him for it. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for Your Word. Seal it to our hearts and our lives. Fill us with the wonder of what You have done on our behalf so that we might see Jesus, embrace Him, so that others might see Jesus in us. And we thank you for it, in Jesus' name. Amen.